0: Good morning, Abundant Life, Lee Summit, Blue Springs, soon to be Independence, all of you watching online, we're glad that you're here. Nehemiah chapter 6, we're studying the book of Nehemiah in a series called Real Solutions. We don't need more New Year's resolutions, we're looking for some real solutions. If you're not maybe familiar with the book of Nehemiah, perhaps joining us just today, what's this book about? This book tells us that we need strong walls around our lives, our families, our church, And our country, the year is 445 B.C., Nehemiah, the cupbearer to the Persian king, has gone back to Jerusalem to rebuild those broken walls around that ancient city. In the ancient days, a city without walls was easily overcome by its adversaries. Walls is what kept the city safe. It's what kept a city strong. That's why we all need a strong foundation and walls of fortification. But you know that wherever God is building, Satan is battling and immediately Nehemiah faces great opposition as he begins to have this rebuilding kind of vision Wherever God is moving, you always have the enemy opposing. It's true in our lives personally, if God is moving in our life, Satan is countering. If God is rebuilding those broken places in our life, Satan wants to ruin and continue to keep down what God wants to build up. And that's what I want you to see as we study Nehemiah 6, how the opposition is now mounting. By the time we get to chapter 6, Sanballat has got an alliance, a coalition to come again Nehemiah, Sanballat historically was a very powerful official and chieftain in that area at that time of history. He came from Samaria, north of Jerusalem, and the opposition is mounting in Nehemiah chapter 6. Now, church, listen carefully. I try to preach every message like it's my last one. I hope this will not be my last one. I'm glad somebody is thankful besides me. Thank you. But I got to tell you, the message I'm about to share might be that important. It's a difficult message, but these are difficult days. So I want you to listen very carefully. Don't stop listening somewhere along the way because here's what's going to happen, okay? We're going to watch a big game tonight. You won't see me in the big game. You're going to see me right here, though. But just like in that big game, you're going to see somebody go right and then they're going to cut to the left. Somewhere in this message, you'll see me going right and all someone a going to pivot and go left. And you'll think, well, Phil's trying to take us to the right or Phil's trying to take us to the left. No, I'm not trying to take you to the right or the left. I'm trying to take you up. Because for the child of God, the only direction that matters is up. Our hope is up, it's not in the right, it's not to the left. Our hope is not in the donkey, it is not in the elephant, it's in the lion of the tribe of Judah, it is in the Lamb of God. And there's times I'm gonna be going right, don't quit listening if you're on the left, because then I'm coming back to the left, okay? What I'm telling you is I'm trying to take you up, that's the only direction that matters as we come off the most politicized traumatized election, at least in my lifetime. And I want to preach a message today that I think is essential because I can't be the president, but I can be your pastor, and I care deeply about the body of Christ and the health of the body, the reputation of the bride. And I want you to know that 2020, for all that went wrong, 2020 might have been the greatest year ever in the life of our church. I know that's weird to hear, in a COVID year, uh, a century ago we had a pandemic, and we get a century later and we're in the middle of another one, who'd have thought in our lifetime? All the things that went wrong in 2020, I'm trying to tell you, it might have been the greatest year ever in the life of our church when it comes to seeing a move of God, to seeing lives changed by Jesus. COVID can't stop the move of God, and he's moving in powerful, profound ways, in terms of lives truly being changed, in the footprint of the gospel getting ever larger. I'm talking about the light of God from our bride, this body at Abundant Life shining brighter and wider and farther than it ever has before. There's a group of families up in Cedar Falls, Iowa, bringing Abundant Life to Cedar Falls. Guys, we are thankful that you're there and we get to be here. Would you help me right now? Welcome Cedar Falls to Abundant Life. We're going to Independence in two weeks. We're going to Cedar Falls. This is what God is doing all over our country. I mean, the move of God is profound. Lives being changed everywhere. But you understand that where God is moving, Satan is opposing. And he wants to take out the bride. He wants to take out the body of Christ. There is real opposition that we face. We've come off the most, I think, politicized and divided. Listen, we're not living in the United States. We're now living in the divided states. We might not have been this divided since at least the Vietnam era, if not the Civil War. And here's the deal. I can't help everything that happens out there, but I have a profound sense of responsibility for what happens in here to shepherd the body of Christ. And I want you to see the opposition. And the opposition is real. And Sandballot brings this opposition against Nehemiah's vision in four ways. It's how Satan works in our life, that invisible enemy behind the scenes that's always pulling the strings. First of all, he likes to sow division. Division. He loves to bring separation. When a people is walking in unity, they are an unstoppable force for God. But when that people are divided, listen, it is a divide and conquer mentality. Divide and conquer is an age-old military strategy most employed by our adversary. We saw it last week in chapter 5 as James Harris brought this great message out of Nehemiah chapter 5. Nehemiah has this rebuilding vision. All of a sudden, he sees the opposition and he's seen the enemy. He is we. Like the enemy is not on the outside, the enemy is now on the inside. You remember what happened to Nehemiah 5? He, he finds out that there has been this unjust, System of the wealthy Jews that are preying on the the poor Jews, those in poverty, and it's created this horrible division inside. And I want you to see for all that has changed in the 2,500 years since the time of Nehemiah, how much is exactly the same. We have a divided nation. We've seen the enemy, and sometimes he is we. It's a divide and conquer mentality. Jesus said a house divided against itself cannot stand. That's the very thing Abraham Lincoln said in the Gettysburg Address as he quoted Jesus. A house divided against itself cannot stand. We are a house divided. And part of the same reasons that we find in Nehemiah chapter five. It would be hard for any of us not to admit we live in a nation with a long running history of racial disparity and racial injustice. This is what made the civil rights movement a biblical and noble movement, of course, led by Martin Luther King. Here was the king dream, the dream of Dr. Martin Luther King. He said, I dream of the day my four little children can live in a country where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but rather the content of their character. That is a worthy dream. That dream's been hijacked. by other people for their own political gain, which is why the modern social justice movement is not a biblical movement, it is a political movement. The dream of Dr. King has been hijacked by social scientists and those in academia propagating since the 1980s, social theories like intersectionality, the critical theory, critical race theory. Here's what the critical race theory says. If you're a white American, you are a racist, you were born a racist, you'll always be a racist, just admit you're a racist, don't tell us you're not a racist, because you telling us you're not a racist just proves you are a racist. Not only is that unbiblical, it's illogical. We have a divided nation, and critical theory does nothing to offer a real solution, but it's not meant to. It's meant to offer division, and so division. I'm just telling you, we're not gonna bring This racial divide together by telling white Americans, you guys are all racist, it's not gonna happen. That's not how we're gonna end the racial disparity and bring equality, but that's not the point. It's not meant to. You see, the civil rights movement was a struggle for equality. This movement is not a struggle for equality, it's a struggle for power. And this is what is being crammed down all of our throats every time we leave the house. And it's only brought more and more and more division. And separation. Critical theory says uh, if you have one of five character qualities of power, then you're an oppressor. We're all in one of two groups. You're either born into an oppressed group or an oppressor group. You're either born as a victim or you're born as a victimizer. And if you listen to the critical theory, guys like me is the worst offender. I'm the worst oppressor of us all. You know why? Because I have all Five of the character qualities of power. Even though I was born in the home of a working man, I shared a bed with my brother till I was 16 years old. I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth. You know why? This is what it says. I'm white, male, Christian, heterosexual, cisgender. Some of you don't know what cisgender is. I can tell by looking at you. (laughs) Okay, I identify with the gender assigned to me at birth. I do. And because I have all five of those, I'm an oppressor, I'm the worst kind of offender. I want you to understand something. This is not a struggle for equality. It is a struggle for power. You see, the civil rights movement has been hijacked by a political movement, so it's no longer a biblical movement. It offers no solutions to end the division. It's not meant to. It's meant to bring a political revolution. You ought to read sometime Rules for Radicals by Saul Alinsky, published in 1971. We're watching the playbook and we have been for the last 40 years we're not going to end racial disparity and racial injustice in this manner but it's not meant to And what has happened is it sows more and more division out there. And what concerns me is not just what goes on out there, it's what happens in here within the body of Christ. Like one of my number one concerns has been since COVID began, the reputation of the church post-COVID, the reputation of our Lord post-COVID, the reputation of Jesus, the God that we serve. We carry his name, his fame. Will he still have a reputation worthy of his name post this election season? And some of us haven't carried his name without tarnishing his reputation. And I've witnessed it and I've watched it. What happens is we politicize Jesus. It's meant to divide us. So you have black, white, left, right, Republican, Democrat. You're in one of the groups. Pick your group. If you're not in that group, then you're my enemy. And instead of love your enemy, it's destroy my enemy. That's kind of the mentality now of modern society. And once you see what's happened is it's sown this ugly division and animosity, hostility in our country. And I'm watching it even affect the health of the body, not simply our church. I'm talking the church. And so we politicize Jesus when Jesus did not come to launch a political movement he came to launch a spiritual movement It was a movement that radically altered the world. It changed the world, not because early Christians had any religious rights. They had no constitution, no first amendment, no freedom of religion. They weren't gonna march on Rome with a political rally to change the system, no. It was 120 people filled with the Holy Spirit with a message of power and redemption and forgiveness and reconciliation and it changed the world. Yet we look for political solutions to spiritual problems. And it sucked us in. I'm talking the body of Christ. We get sucked into this. It's not that you should be apolitical as a Christian. We need more godly people in government, not less. But here's what happens. We politicize Jesus. We want Jesus to be on our side. No, the reality is it's it's not get Jesus on our side. It's am I on Jesus' side? Am I on God's side? It's not God get on my side. And this is what happens. If you lean left then Jesus is a Democrat. If you lean right, then Jesus is a Republican. We politicize Jesus. If you lean left, Jesus is a socialist. He's a social justice warrior. If you lean right, well, he's a capitalist. He's for freedom. He's for liberty. So we get sucked right into the ugliness of fallen men working within a fallen system And it comes out of the mouth of Christians. I've personally heard this just in the last few months, last few weeks. Well, you can't be a Christian and be a Democrat. I have read the New Testament many times. I'm very familiar with the Bible. I have not read that verse yet. (laughs) Your political affiliation is not a condition to be a Christian. And being a Republican will not get you into heaven. Now, I've heard this from the mouth of Christians. Well, if you voted for Trump, you're going to hell. How reprehensible. How absolutely reprehensible. Be careful, you might be the one going to hell. Can we just agree that not everyone that voted for Biden is a Marxist? Not everyone that voted for Trump is a racist. See, we need to quit saying this stuff. This inflammatory, polarizing, broad brush statements that simply aren't true. That is not judging each other with the content of their character. It is broad brushing everybody into this broad group. That is not true. That is not the dream of Dr. King. That's not a core value of Christianity. And I'm telling you, we will not reach the next generation with the gospel with a political Jesus. They're not going to follow a political Jesus. We will lose our kids. We will lose the next generation to the faith. They're not going to follow that kind of Jesus. Absolutely, the worst look I've ever seen for our Savior is when I saw a Jesus saves flag in the middle of all the Trump flags as they are storming the Capitol, chanting, hang Mike Pence, And right in the middle is a Jesus saves flag. I'm dying, like, gee, I can't, can you imagine what Jesus is thinking? Don't put me in the middle of that. One of our young adult pastors was leading a young lady in conversation that doesn't know Jesus, a young adult sharing the gospel with her. That was her big hang up just a week ago, her big hang up with becoming a Christian was what she had witnessed that day with a Jesus saves flag in the middle of all the Trump flags while this crowd is chanting, hang Mike Pence. In her mind, if that's what it means to be a Christian, I guess I can't be one. Of course, that's not what it means to be a Christian, but that's what she was taught by what she saw. You want to go to political rally? Go to political rally. We need more people involved in government that are godly, not less. But don't drag Jesus into it. That's not why he came. And when you politicize Jesus, we're not going to reach the next generation with the gospel. It is a horrible, horrible look for the gospel. And this is exactly what the devil wants us to do. And it begins with sowing this division where now all of a sudden we're politicized. Instead of being biblical Christians, we're political Christians. It doesn't mean you're apolitical. You have a right to your political opinions. We need you involved in the processes that shape our nation. You ought to vote in every election. Some of you ought to be running for positions of government. You care about your school district. Run for the school board. You care about your city, run for city council. I'm not saying abandon the process. We need to be in the process. I'm just trying to say keep Jesus out of your politics. That's not why he came. And when you politicize Jesus, you're distorting the message of the gospel. And the world is watching. Now, the second thing he does is deception. Satan will come against you in opposition with division, he comes against us with division. The and then the second thing he does is deception. Here's what happened in Nehemiah 6 in verse 1. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there were no breaks left in it, though at that time I had not hung the doors and the gates. That Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me harm. The plains of Ono was about 20 miles north of Jerusalem. What are they trying to do? They're trying to lure him out into the open where they could assassinate him. This was a deception. It was a set up to lure him out to do him harm. So I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? Nehemiah said, Oh no, to oh no. I'm not coming out there. I know what you're trying to do. I see right through your deception, I see right through your setup. He was a discerning leader. He discerned the truth in the middle of the distortion, in the middle of the deception. Do you understand? They came back and they sent me this message four times. I answered them in exactly the same way. Here's a man that was not going to be deceived by the distortion and the deception, and that is exactly Satan's strategy against you and me, Christ's body. Satan's methodology is always to distort reality. And we live in a time of great deception, great distortion, great fabrication. It's harder than it's ever been to really discern what in the world is really going on. I mean, where do you turn? Where do you go? Well, some of you have been going to the wrong places. And you've been deceived by the distortion. It was supposed to... Become the information age. I remember 20 years ago with the emergence of the internet, hard to believe it's only been 20 years since the internet really emerged. It was called the World Wide Web. (laughs) Haven't heard that phrase lately, have you? (laughs) Yeah, back in the day, it was the World Wide Web. It was gonna be the information age, and it is the information age. You have more access to more information in the next five minutes than it would have taken you five years to gather at one time in your life. But the information age has now become the disinformation age. Like how do you know what's true and what's not? And this past year has been a time of great intrigue and deception, distortion. What is really going on? You know what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.21? It says this, test all things, hold fast to that which is good. Don't make a snap judgment about anything. You need to test all things. Prove what is true, hold on to it, and reject the rest. And there's some of us that have been deeply deceived. Like I started getting conspiracy videos sent to me almost from COVID day one. Phil, what do you think of this? Phil, listen to this. Phil, watch this. For the last 10 months, guess what I've been doing? Testing all things. I'm not making a snap judgment about anything. Just sit back. Don't get in a rush. Test it. So as soon as the vaccine came out, I started getting more videos. Phil, watch this. Did you know that according to the internet, and you can believe everything on the internet, did you know the vaccine has technology in it that will change your DNA? It's the science of transhumanism. Did you know that it's got luciferian molecules in it? Luciferian molecules, that's a real thing. It's what makes fireflies light up at night. It is. So it's got luciferian molecules in it. It's going to make you light up and glow for about five minutes. (laughs) That would help some of us a lot, actually. (laughs) But the worst part about it, is it's got technology in it that will allow the global elites to track your every movement, modify your behavior, and change your emotions. No, they do not need a vaccine to do that. We carry it around in our purse and our pocket everywhere we go. That technology already exists. It's in your smartphone. See, what we're doing is we're taking the truth narrative and we're superimposing false narratives into the truth narrative. If you're a believer in God and a believer in the word of God, God has given us a glimpse into the future. There is a reason COVID has happened. I've said many times since the inception and the origin and the beginning that COVID is a significant event in a series of significant events that will ultimately lead to the main event, the second coming of Christ. What do we see in Revelation 13? we see a universal governing system of Marxism where there is a complete control of the banking system. It is a universal political and economic system. That is the truth because the Bible says it. The Bible's never been wrong about anything it prophesied ahead of time. I can believe it, not only because the Bible says it, but we are witnessing it. This is not conspiracy. This is not QAnon. Is that how you say it? QAnon. Yeah, this is not be this is not being done in clandestine meetings behind closed doors. It's being done in the open. Just listen to what world leaders are saying. The props, the players are being positioned on the world platform for the fulfillment of this prophecy. It's called the Global UN Agenda 2030. This is not a this is not a conspiracy. It's being done openly. Just listen to what world leaders are saying. They're even saying that COVID has given them a the chance to accelerate that global vision. That's the Great Reset. That's the very term they're using. And you can read about it, in Revelation 13, I've taught about it. You should get online and listen to my Revelation 13 teaching. Three sermons, we're watching it happen. Now here's what happens. We take the truth narrative and we're superimposing the false narratives. Well, the vaccine is how they're gonna do it. No, the vaccine is a vaccine. The mark of the beast is a banking system. It controls who can and who cannot buy, sell, or trade. So here's what I do. I started getting these videos. I'm not a trained scientist. You have podcasters and pastors and preachers getting on social media talking about things They have no idea, honestly, what they're even saying going back and telling their congregations, don't take the vaccine, this is the mark. of the beast. I, I'm not telling you if you should or you should not. I'm for freedom. I think you ought to have the right to decide for yourself if you take the vaccine. But I'm telling you, if you don't take the vaccine, don't make that decision because you think it's the mark of the beast technology and some third-party global elite's gonna control you if you do. Because that is not true, I did this crazy thing, I had this crazy idea, okay, test all things, hold fast to that which is good, I think I'll call a scientist. I did. Had about an hour conversation with a real live scientist who goes to our church, who is godly, who has a biblical worldview, he believes Revelation 13 like me and you. I asked him specifically, after having him listen to this video, guess what he said, nah. None of that's true. This vaccine doesn't change your DNA. By the way, it has no fetal tissue in it either. All those questions people are asking. You test what you hear before you decide if it's true. I started getting all types of emails and text messages, you know, after the election, and all the chaos that took place afterwards. Test all things. You know what's being passed around on the internet? Millions of people believed it. There's some fine print in the Constitution somewhere that Mike Pence has the power as the vice president to overturn the election. That's what was being passed around in the interview. I did this crazy thing, I tested it. I called a constitutional attorney also goes to our church, who has defended religious liberty cases all over America for the last 20 years, who has argued for the U.S. Supreme Court, I asked him, is there really fine print in the Constitution that gives the vice president the authority to overturn the election? That's what Trump had asked him to do, which is why everybody was chanting, "Hang Mike Prince, or, hang, hang Mike Pence. Guess what? It's not true. It was never going to happen. Yet millions of people believed it because it was an internet rumor. You didn't test it. We, as the people of God, ought to be most committed to the truth. We are the keepers of the truth, right? We're we're the ones that care about truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth. The truth shall set you free. We, of all people, ought to be most committed to the facts. Yes, we are people of faith, but not only faith, we've got to go on facts. Even when those facts don't advance my personal opinion or my personal desires, Had Mike Pence done what the president asked him to do, he would have broken the Constitution. Do you understand? This is how totalitarian dictators take over democracies. It was never going to happen. Two weeks ago, I started getting texts and emails sent to me, hey, Pastor Phil, be ready because there's going to be martial law within 48 hours. Another internet rumor, it's coming, it's going to happen. 48 hours, martial law, it's going to be locked down. Here was the internet rumor that President Trump was going to call for martial law on the day of the inauguration to stay in power. Millions of people believed it. It was never going to happen. It was an internet rumor, yet millions of Americans really believed something was going to happen. Pastor Phil, something big's gonna happen. Well, I don't know what, but something big's gonna happen. And here's the reality. Some of us were disappointed when it didn't happen. Do you understand what you were hoping for? You were hoping to abandon the US Constitution for a martial law, a police state, for the sake of somebody taking over This is what we're hoping for. Hey, I don't care if you voted for Trump or against Trump. Imagine the implications. This is how totalitarian dictators take over democracies. Yet we're cheering for it. And it's a bad look for the body of Christ. It's just a bad look for the body of Christ. It is a bad look for Jesus. It is. Test all things, hold fast to that which is good. It was never gonna happen. It was an internet rumor. Listen, I'm imploring you as your pastor, get off Facebook, get your face in the book. I promise you, you have everything you need already in your hands. I will promise you have divine revelation. I know, when you you don't know what's gonna happen and you're trying to figure out what's gonna happen and you're fearing the future because there's so much uncertainty and there's this sense of, well, you know, QAnon's got some special revelation, some insider information. You've got insider information. You have special revelation. God's told you everything you know to prepare for the future. And the reality is, it just makes us look crazy. Listen, the lost world already thinks we're crazy. Think about it. We believe in somebody that came back from the dead. That sounds crazy. Let's not prove to them the right. I care about the reputation of the bride of Christ. I care about the reputation and name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This doesn't make him look good. This is not gonna help us reach the next generation with the gospel, and it's a distortion. We need to walk in reality, test all things. I mean, people, you're following pastors and so-called prophets on the internet or radio or television, wherever you, and I, I know there are men of God all over the US that prophesied Trump is going to win. And they promised it because God told them. They had a 50-50 chance of getting it right. Why are you still following that guy? Do you know what the Bible says about a prophet who gets even one wrong? Test all things. Hold fast to that which is good. When he cannot stop you in the opposition through division and deception, he will then attempt distraction. This is what happens next to Nehemiah, verse 5. Then Sanballat sent his servant to me as before. The fifth time with an open letter in his hand and it was written, it is reported among the nations and Geshem says that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. And you have also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem saying, there is a king in Judah. Now these matters will be reported to the real king, the Persian king. So come therefore and let us consult together. Here's now what they're doing. Nehemiah, we're going to tell on you. Yeah, we've heard that you're going to announce that you're the king, and we've heard that you're trying to lead an insurrection, which is why you're really rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. What were they trying to do? A rumor campaign, character assassination. Distraction can become destruction to a godly vision. I'm telling you, this could have become an enormous distraction for Nehemiah. This rumor campaign, this gossip campaign, you're trying to lead an insurrection, we're gonna report you to the king. This could have petrified him and fossilized him. I'm trying to tell you, this could have been a real distraction to him. I've had people attack my reputation, try to assassinate my character. Let me tell you, as a leader, that is a big deal because all you got is your reputation. When you lose it, you got nothing left to lead with. I know what Nehemiah could have been thinking, but he wasn't. You know why? Because he was not going to be intimidated, and most of all, he would not be distracted. Look at how he answers them. Then I sent to him saying, no such things as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. Then That's all he said about it. That's it. He didn't get on his social media, start blowing everybody up. He didn't get on his Facebook page with all the zingers and the cliches, and he didn't, you know, over-defend himself, which just gives credibility to your enemy. He didn't get on his Tweeter, Twitter feed. (laughs) He just says, What you said isn't true. I'm going back to work. I'm not gonna be distracted. I'm going back to work. Church, it is time to go back to work. It is time to get back to work. We have been distracted as the body of Christ far too long. Historically, there are two things that offer distraction from the main mission, which is the Great Commission. Churches get over here in political activism, or churches get over here in social activism. Christians are all about social activism, or they're over here about political activism. What happens over here? You politicize Jesus, and all of a sudden your energy is all about political activism. You ought to be politically active, but that's different than political activism activism some of you are more worried about having the next president be a republican than reaching the next generation and making them christians if somebody got on your facebook page could they convict you of being a christian or would they convict you of being a republican You know, over here you have social activism, this is where a lot of churches in America are. Just a do gooder club. Do good works. No different than the Rotary Club. It's all we've become. Good works apart from the gospel. Both of these things are a distraction when God has called us to the Great Commission. You know what the Great Commission is? To take the gospel to all nations. That is the mission. That is the focus. And everything else is a distraction. I'm trying to tell you today, for all that is changing in our world, and yes, a lot has changed, there's still one thing that stays the same. There is one thing that will never, ever change. There's only one thing that can change the human heart, redeem the human soul. It is still that old-time God That Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, but three days later he rose from the dead. He's alive forevermore. That's the one thing that will never change. It is still the same. It still has the power to redeem a human heart, to redeem a human soul, to change a community, to change a city, and 120 people in Acts chapter two got filled with the Holy Spirit, the power of God, to be witnesses of the Son of God, and they went out and changed the world. Why not me and you? God is still moving. God is still able. God still can, but the enemy wants to, Bring about distraction. I have to just tell you, I hope this will help you. Listen, if you voted for Biden, he will not be the salvation of our nation. And if you voted for Trump, Biden will not be the destruction of our nation. It's time to get back to work. Get focused on the main thing Jesus called us to do. And he'll bring the opposition through division. He'll bring opposition through deception. He brings opposition through distraction. And when that doesn't work, he'll bring the intimidation. And this is what happens next to Nehemiah. Then I sent to him saying, no such things as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart, for they all were trying to make us afraid. Afraid saying, their hands will be weakened in the work and it will not be done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Afterward, I came to the house of Shemiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabel, who was a secret informer. And he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you. Indeed, at night, they will kill you. What they've done is paid someone to come to Nehemiah saying, hey, they're coming to kill you. I need to warn you. You need to come hide in the temple, come to the sanctuary, the Holy of Holies, they'll never get you there. Had he gone into the sanctuary, the Holy of Holies, that would have been a capital offense. They would have charged him with blasphemy, and they would have legally executed him. It was another setup. They were trying to intimidate him to make a rash decision. Listen, fear is a motivator, but it's a horrible motivator. And for some of us in the last year, we've been motivated by fear. And that's why we haven't tested everything we've heard against the Scripture. We haven't tested everything we've heard against facts. We've we, we, we moved irrationally. Because fear's a horrible motivator, not Nehemiah. Look at how he responds. And I said, should such a man as I flee, and who is there such as I who would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. do you understand, as the people of God, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear. How about we start living like we actually believe half of what we say we believe, like we actually serve the living God, the sovereign God of the universe. How about we start living that way? I mean, we believe God is alive. We live like he's died. We have nothing to fear. That's what Nehemiah says. I'm not gonna run. I'm not gonna flee. Who am I a man to flee? The body of Christ, I know what you fear. The body of Christ, Christians everywhere fear that we're gonna lose our religious freedoms. I'll submit to you, the problem is not that we are losing our religious freedoms, the problem is we're not exercising our religious freedoms. We're not losing them. We're not using them. Think about this for a moment. If tomorrow it became illegal to share the gospel with anyone, how much of your life would change? When is the last time you shared the gospel with anyone? If tomorrow it became illegal to go to church, well, I happen to know, according to the statistics, church attendance has been in decline for the last 20 years. See, the problem is we're not losing our freedoms, the problem is we're not using our freedoms. We've taken for granted our freedoms. Are there people in our government who would love to do away with the First Amendment? The absolute answer is yes. Are there Marxists in our government? Yes. They're too wise to call themselves that. Just listen to what they say. See, we are built as a liberal democracy. That is what this means. Meaning, if you're a traditional Republican or Democrat, you still agreed on some core values. In a liberal democracy, you still believe in free speech, you still believe in freedom of religion. But we're seeing that change. You know why? Because I told you the system's been hijacked, it's a political revolution which is why you're now seeing censorship for the first time in American history. It's the cancel culture. In a liberal democracy, whether you're right or left, you invite a diversity of thought, not anymore. Now there's a desire to control the narrative, control the information. Yeah, is there an attack on the First Amendment? Absolutely, but let's celebrate some wins here. The system our founders put in place has worked exactly like they envisioned from 1789. It's working. So let's celebrate some wins, all right? Let's just think about this for a moment because there's been an abuse of power on the federal level really for the last 20 years. Both Republican administration as well as Democrat administration. What Trump told Pence to do was unconstitutional. Thank God he didn't. Before that, the Obama administration, think about this, regardless of what you think of universal health care, the problem with Obamacare is that it mandated religious institutions pay for abortions for its employees in direct violation of a Christian core value. The disdain and open disregard for the First Amendment is amazing. Guess what happened? Over 40 charities and religious institutions around the nation sued their federal government one of them was a catholic charity called little sisters of the poor took them seven years but finally last summer they won their case the system worked just a couple of months ago a couple of houses of worship a jewish synagogue and a catholic church sued governor cuomo in the state of new york for the right to gather like we've been doing here since may guess what The Supreme Court ruled in favor of religious freedom. Let's celebrate some wins here. I would suggest the problem is we're not losing our religious freedom, we're not using our religious freedom. You're worried about losing things you don't even do. Year and a half ago, August, In 2019, the then superintendent of Lee Summit R7 School District came to me and asked, as they had the year before, for our yearly convocation, 2,500 employees of the school district, may we gather in your auditorium. You know what we said? Yes. Why? Because that's what we do. Generosity is a core value. We will give away what God has given us. Come use it like it's yours. We won't charge you a thing. Despite the fact. That in our church, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of families that are members here send their kids to LSR 7 school district despite the fact that there's probably 200 members of our church that is also employed by LSR 7. Despite all of that, a handful of LSR 7 employees that do not agree with our belief regarding the holy scriptures and what it says about human sexuality, complained to the school district, they moved their meeting off site. The next day, the Lee Summit Journal of the Kansas City Star ran a hit piece on our church. Do you know we hate gays here? That's what it said. Bunch of bigots. Listen, if you're gay or lesbian, LGBT community, that is a false narrative that's been forced upon us by society. We don't hate you, as a matter of fact, we would do absolutely anything for you. Love is unconditional, doesn't matter whether or not we agree, the nature of love is that there's no strings. That's a false narrative. I can't help what they say out there. I can't even help if you believe it. I can't help if you believe me now. I'm just telling you, it's not true. It's what people say about it. It's cultural Marxism. What's it meant to do? Intimidation. Don't call me a bigot, don't call me a hater, anything but that. So what has happened is we stay silent. See, it's not government Marxism. There aren't laws that make it illegal to be a Christian and believe the things we believe. Cultural Marxism is such that the cultural opposition is so great, we just stay silent because I don't want anybody to say anything mean about me. What had happened, the reason they did that is about two years earlier, I had gone to Jeff City, I had testified in favor of a religious liberty bill that never made it out of committee. I had not gone there to testify against the rights of gay and lesbian people. I'm not trying to take away your rights if you're gay or lesbian. What I'd gone there to do is testify for the rights of religious people to live according to the dictates of their conscience. the way gay and lesbian people have the right constitutionally now to live by the dictates of their conscience. And I happen to know it was payback, it was cancel. Gonna to try to cancel Pastor Phil, cancel Abundant Life. Why am I telling you this? I'll tell you why, because that week, reporters from local news stations came to interview me on camera. And you know what they told me? You're the only pastor that will talk to us. Why? Where are the preachers? Where are the pastors, men of God? Preach, preach! It's not illegal, nobody's gonna take me to a concentration camp, because I simply believe as a Christian what every other Christian has believed for the last 2,000 years. See, we're not exercising the freedoms we have. We're worried about losing freedoms that we don't even use. That same week, I don't know how many conversations I had with members of our church that are employed by Lee Summit R7 School District. You know what they told me over and over again? I heard the same thing. Pastor Phil, when we're at work, we have to whisper. Why? Why do you think you have to whisper? It is not illegal to be a Christian. It is not illegal to have biblical moral values as outlined by the Bible. Why do we have to whisper? Nobody else is whispering. Why do we think we have to whisper? Why can't you live as a Christian, openly as a Christian? Why can't you be a part of the conversation? I know what you're up against. I know what's being crammed down your throat every time you leave the house. I got a lot to lose too. We all do, but there's the problem. We don't want to lose anything. We don't want to have to suffer anything. And right there is the problem. You want a real solution? Meditate on this this week, Colossians 3.1. If you then were raised with Christ seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God set your mind on things above not on things of the earth your focus for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God guess why I can live fearless even though I have a lot to fear I can live fearless you know why because I'm died I'm dead <laughs> I died 2,000 years ago, you were in Christ. You died with him. And when you are dead and you count your life as dead and you count yourself having already died, you got nothing left to lose. World can't take anything from you. That's what Paul's saying. You died and your life is hid with Christ in God. You can't touch me because my life is hid in Christ. You can't do anything to me that does not pass through the sovereign hands of God Almighty. My life is hid. I don't have to fear men. He says this, when Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. When Christ who is our life appears, friends, he will appear one day very soon. And one day very soon, it will have all been worth it. I'm trying to tell you, you will live a fearless life when you lay down your life and you know your life is hid in Christ. I'm gonna get on my knees because that is our only hope and you can join me if you'd like. I invite you to right there in your home, right here in this auditorium. We need God so very much. Lord, we know that we are in a mess in these United States. And you are the only hope of our salvation. We ask that you might repair the foundation Rebuild these walls of protection. We ask your forgiveness as the body of Christ. We have not guarded your reputation, politicized your name, even profaned your name. And Lord, we're praying for a move of the Holy Spirit of God of true biblical, historical proportions. We're praying for another great awakening. A move of God's Spirit all over this land. On every person that names your name, that the fire of God would fall the eyes of the blind would be open the hardened hearts would be broken that we could see a move of God redemption, reconciliation that your name would be exalted we ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit and the power of God to be with us all upon this bride in the days ahead the bride of Christ an abundant life